Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KBEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about. time for Mortgage Matter. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Thanks much for uh, not being somewhere else. <laughs> Can't go outside yet. It's chilly. Yeah. Yes, it is chilly. Looking at my thermostat, like, is this 70 degrees in here or not? <laughs> you, you run your heater on 70? Yeah, man, I got no kids. Holy you got extra smoke. discretionary income feels, putting it towards my heat. That feels <laughs> reckless. Feels reckless. <laughs> it was 37 degrees out there. Yeah. Driving in this morning, it was about 37, 38 for me. Shoosh. Yeah. I got... Like, I get, go ahead, Jim. Well, because I come in at, I get here about seven fifteen, seven thirty. Don't brag, us. don't brag. So yeah, it was cold. I walked uphill mm-hmm. to school, yeah. both ways, in seventy degree wow. heat. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. right with a light sweatshirt on. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of heat, I was in Tennessee and South Carolina the last two weeks. I and, knew you were, and it was. Pretty nice over it there. It was? Pretty nice. Yeah. Did you have some sweet tea? I had a bunch of sweet tea. They offer tea. They You get two choices when you order tea, sweet or unsweet. Yeah. Because they, they, they kind of know you're from California. Have you heard that comedy bit about unsweet? No, I love to hear it, though. Can we fit it in uh, I forget who it is. He just, how do you unsweeten tea? That's a ridiculous thing. Yeah. You can have tea or you can have sweetened tea. Oh, gotcha. You can't unsweetened tea i think they believe it starts out sweet no they know it doesn't they know how much (laughs) sugar they put into that stuff they know that ma'am this spoon isn't tilting over it's just standing straight up Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was good i i mean i i'm not really well versed in southern food so i got that um would you oh man gizzards did you eat any gizzards i didn't have gizzard i had the collard greens okra okra fried okra Plenty of that pimento cheese is on point over there. <laughs> they take the little pimento peppers, the things that we know only to be stuffed in olives over on the West Coast, wow. and they mix them in with all these different cheeses. Blow your mind. And they hmm. put it on everything. I swear I saw Crest Pimento toothpaste. Wow. But I could be wrong. But for <laughs> for the record, the fried chicken is better in the South, for the record. And the seafood in Charleston was blow your mind good all right this is not a culinary show so i, just I have to know i just you, thought i'd warm up by saying it's what was warmer the, over there you said what that? was the market like did you look at real estate i did look at lots real of for sale signs around uh there is quite a bit of listing activity in in charleston south carolina is a very tourist tea state uh especially charleston one of the major ports the major port of the south but if you go back into the history where the civil war started if you will so it's got all types of attractions. The downtown is popping, but there's there's so many different areas in Char- in South Carolina that were 
shall I say, you know, normal, everyday, middle America towns that had quite a bit of listings and more so the pricings that we see over here. I was expecting to see threes, low fours. I was seeing high, high fives, sixes for three bedroom, two bath hmm. in certain areas. Were you, would you say probably that you were because, mostly in the metro area? Yeah, I was going to say probably because it had a, the ability to, you know, get a good paying job near it and or good schools. Um, I didn't get out into the sticks, if you will, and and see what those real estate prices were. I'm just reading a real estate magazine while I'm getting coffee, you know, in the morning mm-hmm. before I had breakfast. Did you take an airboat ride? Did not do that. I didn't even see that marketed. I did go to a plantation, Middleton, mm-hmm. which is glorious. That's fun. Yeah, and then we ended our trip in, in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I um, got to see my Jeez. nephews. How long were you gone? Uh, 13 days, sir. What do you do at work when you're gone for 13 days? Well, this lap, this laptop can go outside of state. I hear you. Yeah. It's a blessing and a curse. Right? You yeah. can't ever really unplug. Yeah. Yeah. Got the President's Day weekend in there, so that felt nice. I could have an auto response that said I'm not working today because, you know, we're honoring our president. Because I don't have to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's a lower expectation of my availability Tuesday today. would be better. Thank you very much. Yeah. I was already put on notice yesterday that I have work to do this weekend. By your... Just a couple different borrowers that sure. are pretty sure they're writing offers and, you know, yep. need us need us to be available. Yeah, I have a... Do a prequal letter. I have 11.45 appointment today and a 12.30 do you ever do, phone meeting. Do you ever do the prequal letters? So you've pre-qualified your borrower... Had a conversation with them about, you know, their price point, affordability, program strategy. Turn, you lay it all out there. Turn them into the world. Now they're shopping for a home, the perfect home. It's an exciting time. Do you give them a letter then? How do you how do you do this? Uh, great question. I believe that giving them a letter then can only do one of two things, which is pigeonhole them into a certain price. I think that that just misleads them. I think I give them the glass ceiling, if you will. Many of my borrowers tell me what they want their maximum monthly payment to be. Because as you know, Jason, we can qualify many people for more than they probably want to spend. It's true that most most of the time people qualify for more than what they're comfortable spending. They um, govern us. In fact, when they don't express some discomfort at the max um, qualification standards, I usually am a little bit freaked out for them. Mm-hmm. You know, especially right. when it's like, yeah, and I've been paying $1,400 a month rent and they're, you know, proposing a $3,700 a month mortgage. Right. And have you been successfully banking $2,000 a month without missing your friends and your coffee? Right. Um, you but, do understand that getting out of this requires you to sell your home or pay off the mortgage. Hmm. Yeah. But I, what I do is then the, it, it's a double-edged sword. I like being involved in the offerings, Jason, because it allows us to look at the property, remind them, oh, that's a little bit different property. Here's what we need to be aware of. Um, and I tailor that letter to their offer price so that the listing agent, really this is the main reason I do it, the listing agent sees they're approved up to the price they're offering at this time, not that they're approved to $100,000 more. Yeah, I see that practice. In fact, you'll see it out of like, some of the online lenders, right, where they'll give a borrower a prequal letter and say, well, congratulations, Mr. Points, you're pre-approved up to, 
an $800,000 loan. Right. And like I said, most people want to be below that just for comfort and monthly budget, you know, meet their savings goals, not be house poor. So it's their desire to only, okay, well, but I'm going to, I'm setting my, my comfort drives me to a $650,000 mortgage. I don't, even though I qualify for more, I don't want more. Right. Um, so if they're going in writing an offer for six fifty, providing a pre-approval letter for eight hundred, aren't they begging a counteroffer? <laughs> the seller's got to be salivating, right? I see the letter. Okay, good. There's lots of headroom for you to come up. You could pay me more, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then likewise, what if you have a letter for eight hundred, and you see that the house is listed for eight thirty or eight forty, and you're like. I want to offer 800 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a competitive situation on a Saturday and mm-hmm. you need to offer 840, mm-hmm. but your letter only says you're good to 800. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things for me. I think that you're, you're setting yourself up for the greatest path of success. If the, if the letter is tailored for the offer that's being written, I also like to have the property address on there too. Absolutely. I think it gives the the seller and their agent that, like you said, that idea, that, okay, well, I've looked at this property. Mm-hmm. I know what it is. If it's a condo or a PUD or a manufactured home or just a standalone, once we've, it's like we've looked at it. We understand that this program, that property, mm-hmm. so far so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks more like, you know, it's not somebody out with a, property address to be determined blanket, you know, you got to wonder how many offers is that guy written with that letter? Whereas if, if this one says the address, it matches the offer, feels very deliberate. Like there's a plan here and your, your job now is to uh, accept this offer and this letter because we've spent a lot of time lining it all up. Yeah. And we put, we, we are not bashful at Central Coast Lending. We put our Fannie Mae approval ID right on the letter because this is not like a, We've run the calculator and carried the nine and the income's all there. We run our pre-approvals through Fannie Mae prior to offer. Yeah. Anyways, I, I, I will have the same weekend you will, sir, except I'll probably get my Labradoodles trimmed up. Ooh. Not by me. Does poodle hair just continually grow? Yes. So It's you, fur. It's, it's not hair. Or hair, not fur. Excuse me, hair, not fur. Thank you. So if you don't manage these things, they could turn into just like street sweepers. Well, eventually what they turn into is like Rastafarian dogs. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be cool. Could be. Yeah, you could do a little cornrows. Yeah, you could You should have named one like, of them like Rasta Marley. and the other one Marley, and then you could have just let them dread out. Yeah, I was thinking about that. And Did, Jason, I was thinking, oh, I'm sorry, but no, I was thinking um, the boss had some work planned. I was thinking that maybe... yeah. There was a honey-do list that was like a mile long for you. For me? <laughs> this time of season, that's hard to get. I mean, you just got all the Christmas stuff up in yeah. the attic. Yeah. I bang it's not out. warm enough yet for that's landscaping. That's kind of where I was going when you said the boss said. I bang, out a lot of, <laughs> I bang out a lot of that stuff. Um, I don't usually have a list working at home. Um, as things arise, I like to deal with them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So... I don't find myself needing to dedicate time to the honeydew list, but ne- nonetheless, if if wifey does happen to come up with a, an action item for me, you know, I'll hop right on it with a smile. 
How long have you been married, Jay? You're nine. Coming up on in June and be married for twenty years. Yeah. Feels Can right. I tell you because this this stings a little bit freshly. We're gonna go out to Hawaii. Longtime listeners of the show know that's like my spirit land. Love it over there. So it's our twenty year anniversary. I told my wife eons ago that we would go to Hawaii for our twenty year anniversary. Mm-hmm. So I bought some plane tickets. We decided to bring the kids. No, no, it's good. Okay, yeah. Well, and they're old enough now that we can like, you know, we could ditch them a little bit to go out to dinner or whatever. You right. Know? But altogether, we we talked a lot about it and decided that we would just have more fun if they came. So that being said. I bought five plane tickets, okay, and then threw down a sizable deposit on uh, an Airbnb place for us to stay, mm-hmm. okay? Good choice. I got an email last night. I bought these plane tickets at least two months ago, maybe three. I got an email last night from Hawaiian Airlines that said, hey- Due to some unforeseen delays in the delivery of this new Airbus, we're canceling this flight and we'll do our best to to figure out how we can get your entire group on an on an alternative flight or something. Oh, they're gonna make that happen. Yeah? I yeah. feel I feel a little bit stressed about it. Uh when is your travel date? June. Oh, early June? Yeah. Oh, you so got there's time, time but what if they need to move it a day or two or whatever? I've already made a non-refundable deposit on a place. Why don't you just do what the Polynesians did and just boat over there? Coming from the wrong direction, going this way. <laughs> you got to start from from like Tahiti to to float that way because of the current. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Didn't you watch Moana? I don't have children again. Remember, yeah. but I do know that that is a popular show right now. Holy smokes. Every time kids come over to my house, it's like getting put on my TV. I didn't even know we owned this movie. Oh, we do now. We travel with it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the car copy. We have a home copy and a work copy. Right. The Uh, Maui God, right? He's the one that says you're welcome. Yeah. It's kind of like HUD, right? HUD? HUD's, HUD's constantly trying to tell consumers they're welcome. Oh, indeed. For all these programs that they have for them. I saw that the new budget cuts a lot of money out of HUD allocation, by the way. Yeah, it's year two in the administration, right? And so evaluation internally is happening. I I don't know what that means, if it's good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, there's cuts. Every every major company has a cycle where it goes through cuts, leaner, meaner. Well, the interesting thing is... Um, for the people keeping score at home, this kind of gets backburnered. I suspect that it's coming um, back to the front burner pretty soon here. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were placed under conservatorship 2009, I want to say. I don't recall the year. I feel like they got... 2009? That would make more Are sense. you going to punch that up? I am. So, you know, essentially these are private companies that have a pretty bizarre uh, 
government sponsor status, right? So we know that the government is heavily invested in the success of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. This just in, conservatorship took place September 6, 2008. Eight. Federal Housing Authority Agency James B. Lockhart announced this decision. So we're coming up 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the idea, you know, conservatorship, right? I mean, this has like the insolvency, bankruptcy, horrific financial ruin uh, association to it. So they go into conservancy where they can be buoyed up largely by taxpayer dollar Mm -hmm. and figure out how to uh, get them on track where they can remain a – the critical part of the U.S. housing supply that they are. This is both Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Right. I mean, the Treasury invested as much as $200 billion to, in preferred stock to credit yeah. this. And so the crazy thing is, is that they made a lot of that money back. Um, in fact, they've made back all of it. I want to say Freddie got like fifteen. Hundred and fifteen billion or something. Fannie Mae got over two hundred billion. They paid that money back over time, and it got talked a little bit during the election cycle about you know what's going to happen. Because right now you basically, you know, you still have these companies are under conservatorship, so they're they're under the control of the government, and you know, as you can imagine, politics from each side of the aisle don't know what to do about that, right? That what they want to do is figure out how do you get Fannie and Freddie to a position where they're solvent, they don't need help, they're doing what we need them to do in the market. You limit the future exposure to the government and the taxpayer uh, by girding them up and making sure that they're following some pretty good practices. And you know, we could do a whole show on what's happened in the last decade to try to make sure that that's the case with bank stress tests and things like this, leverage ratios, reserve requirements. Toxic. Yeah, loans. but also loan, um, the confidence level of loans, making some appraiser independence guidelines. We've got heavy collateral guidelines. We have established the ability to repay guidelines that, you know, you can't, essentially you can't do liar loans anymore because you have to be able to prove that each borrower uh, met an ability to repay standard, which then in turn gets you into, um, with other characteristics, it puts you into whether or not you're a qualified mortgage, which has some real impact to whether your loan can be sold, traded, or securitized. If it if it is a qualified mortgage, then it's deemed safe and you're kind of insured and it can go into the, into the pool. Um, if you don't meet that standard of a qualified mortgage, then you have to retain a portion of that loan for its life. So, you know, the companies like I used to work for a company back in the day where, and this, this was some common sense stuff now. Right. But we made loans, what you might call a liar loan, stated income loan, stated asset loans, no, no real documentation happening. And then we sold the loan right away. We never even make a payment on it, never receive a payment on it. So you sell the loan right away to another securitizer that would put it into some other type of vehicle and sell it again. So when it turns out that there's a high delinquency rate in that, the folks that originated the loan are like, hey, don't ask me. I sold it three times ago, 
and I never never even received a payment on it. So that's a, you know, perhaps not my fault. Whereas today, you got to follow these standards or else you can't sell the loan and, and wash your hands of it. So, and it should be. I mean, that's that should be the governance. So you could make somebody that, that no documentation loan, but you're going to be required to keep a stake in it, 5 or 10% forever. So think about that. You just can only do that so many times. If you need to make a $400,000 loan to Mr. Jones, who can't verify his income, when you trade it, I have to put my 40000 bucks into it and leave that with that deal, get it back over time over the life of the loan. You can't rinse and repeat, do that 100,000 times a month, right? So it's really important that the the quality of these loans is elevated so that the originators like us don't need to be staked in it. We can meet those qualified mortgage rules and then we can sell it without needing to be staked in it. We would never have the liquidity. I mean, Central Coast Lending does, I don't know, these are when I wish, wish Dan was here, Um I'll go out on a limb. I'm a known exaggerator, so I'm going to even <laughs> I'm going to trim it a little bit, okay? I'm yeah. going to say 150 million dollars, okay? A year. So, if we needed to keep a 5% stake in a mortgage or a 10% stake in every mortgage we did, look at that. You I mean, you'd end up you'd 15 need mil, yeah, you can No, you'd have to have that to be in the game, and that's just for a year. So you're going to do this year in and year out. So you can see that basically it means that if an institution is capable of doing that, they've got more money than than God. So there you go. Let them do what they want to do. They're they're staked in its performance and have great exposure to it. So bottom line is that doesn't make up much at all of the mortgage market anymore. So going back, you got Fannie Mae conservatorship, Freddie Mac conservatorship. What do we do with them? Well, for the last decade, um, they turned very profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they met their reserve requirements. They're paying preferred stock dividends, uh, money back to the treasury more than was ever outlined, and then some. And so now you've got this position where. Imagine if you had that roommate in the back room that's not causing you a whole lot of strife, and they're paying you, like. A day early, every Ten, month. Well, and two, three, four times rent. So it's like way more than fair market rent. So you're like, and they're quiet and they're clean. So I'm not in a hurry to throw you out. That's sort of where we ended up in the election cycle. You have one side of the aisle going, you got to return Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to be private enterprises and get them out of here. Do it in a way that we no longer have public stake in their success or failure. Then you've got the other side saying, look at this, this is a revenue center. It's making good money. So I kind of bring all that up to say- It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to pick a side, right? I mean- So check this out. After all these years of paying handsomely, and a great ROI, by the way, if you go back and look at what was laid out versus what was recouped and now the investment position that you have, it's been phenomenal. Um, interestingly enough, rates go up a little bit, volumes slow down, some regulatory environment changes a little bit, the new tax plan changes things a little bit. Fourth quarter, Fannie Mae 
reported a loss for the first time since 2012. So a six-year run of not only being solvent but being profitable and really healthy. They reported a $6.5 billion loss in Mm. Q4. They're requiring... Does it say percentage? Uh, no, but okay. I imagine it's uh, like a 2% loss. Yeah. So anyhow, they're requiring a $3.7 billion cash injection from the treasury. <laughs> oh, that's a horse of different They don't color. have enough to carry it and they're taking money back out now. Right. Um, and, and by the way, Freddie Mac found themselves in a very similar boat. Um, interesting. So now that roommate is logging onto your Netflix account and not cleaning up their dishes. Yep. And they're on the opposite sleeping schedule. Right. They're stomping around upstairs. So it'll be interesting. I think we're going to see this back in the headlines. This might just become uh, one of the new pet projects of this administration is to figure out what do you that do? They've talked about making them into a public utility, all these things. So pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, we got a phone call here, so we, uh, we'll jump to that. We got Jess calling from Slow. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Guys, I'm going to ask my questions, and then I'm going to hang up so I can continue driving afterwards. Good. And, uh, thanks, you, thanks for your time, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in San Luis Obispo, there's, a, uh, there's an age 55 and over mobile home uh, community called the Chumac Village. Yeah, I'm familiar with it over on South Aguera. On South Korea, yeah, and and when when a person purchases a property there, uh, you can, it looks like you can own the land as well as the structure that's that's on the land. That's right. So, my questions are: What would be the difference in uh, obtaining financing uh, for such a purpose, and the the style of rates involved? Okay. Uh, buying a property, buying a property there versus. Buying a single-family home, you know, like a regular housing lot, that is not a uh, that's not part of a village, uh, has a second home. Yep. Because I because I already have a first home. Okay. So the, per, the, the potential purpose should be a second home. Okay. And my other question is, when when a person buys a uh, a home in a in a mobile home park, and, and you own the land. Can you be can you be pushed out? Can somebody force you to sell or get out? Uh, you know, as compared to owning a regular house of lots in a, in a non village. Okay. And, and again, I thank I thank you guys. Thank you. Gotta hang up now. Okay, that's a lot of questions right there, and I'm excited to be able to talk about it. Um, we need to do the commercial break real quick, and then let's get into that. Um, manufactured home loans are. They're a complicated little beast, and it'll be fun to kind of dive under the hood of that, the difference between owning your land and renting, you know, like space rent. There's there's some layers to this onion, so let's um, let's go ahead and take a break, and we get back, we'll start peeling it. So stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. By calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home. 
Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Down a backwoods Tennessee byway, one arm on the wheel, holding my lover with the other, a sweet, soft southern thrill. Worked hard all week, got a little jingle on a Tennessee Saturday night. Couldn't feel better, I'm together with my Dixieland delight. All right, guys, welcome back. Um, right before the break, we had a call from Jess and Slow with some questions about um, manufactured home. In a park. In a park. And I think it's good, you know... We, Man, the core of this show is really to have a savvy consumer, right? I mean, this is what we're doing. It, it ultimately, it's a, it's a. This is a kind of a public service kind of thing where we want to, we want you guys to be well informed, to know the ins and outs of um, this stuff as as best you can. Um, then, of course, you know we're the experts that when you need that help, we're going to walk you through it. So. Um, you know, I say it's a public service. Uh, I, yes, I'll throw in there too. We try to avoid the infomercial component of just sitting in here and talking about business all day, every day. Of course, uh, the show's brought to you by a for-profit, um, company, Central Coast Lending. So we're, um, you know, not to mince words, we definitely, um, have some self-serving need in this too. That being said, um, it's important when we have these conversations, I think, to just be real honest. So, 
let's be real honest about it. I'll tell you first, as an underwriter, um, manufactured home loans, you should see my face. I'm kind of doing that thing where like I'm squinting, my cheeks are up a little bit, and I'm kind of going, oh. Those this are, would be a great time for a TV show. Right. Um, again, because underwriter, right? Underwriter is making the decision about ultimately, you know, putting sticking the company neck out. Is this the kind of loan, the kind of property, the kind of borrower that uh, meets all the guidelines and something that we really want to do? And manufactured home loans have a little bit of a black eye. And, you know. You said eye, right? Yeah. Okay. Right, wrong, or otherwise, here's the deal. When the going gets tough. See, manufactured housing is typically for um, it's more affordable. So it's going to attract some of those people that mm-hmm. um, are maybe a little bit, can't really afford the the median home in town, but they can afford the manufactured home at the edge of town um, or as it is in San Luis Obispo in some pretty sweet parts of downtown slow. We stick a little manufactured home park together somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the deal. When the going gets tough, those loans, um, they have a higher delinquency rate than does a, a single family home loan. So knowing that going in, you got to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's. So, um, you're always going to be heavily scrutinized when you seek to, you know, buy a manufactured home with financing. Um, couple quick side notes: manufactured homes, um, by and large, are depreciating assets. There's some exception to that, I know, especially if you're girded up by a really strong local real estate market. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats. But if so, what I mean is if you buy a manufactured home or mobile home and you stick it on a lot, it it typically will depreciate similar to a car that holds its value well. It's not going to fall to where, you know, a $60,000 Cadillac will be worth five grand in 10 years. So I'm not going to suggest that this is doing that, but um, it's not like a stick-built home where they're generally on an appreciation um, path. So knowing that, um, first of all, you got to suggest that there's a trade-off there for that affordability is you're buying a type of home that has some limited marketability. It's not quite going to appreciate and hold value and survive recessions the way that a stick-built home will. So you got to make sure that you understand that um, as you're weighing out the option of that property type. The other things where this gets dicey quick is um, if you're talking about a park where you have to rent the land... Space rent can be very high. I got a story about that when you're done. Okay. Well, and and, and maybe you want to insert it right here. Sure. But usually, because what I was going to say is oftentimes the, the manufactured or mobile home is going to have a loan that has a shorter amortization, particularly if it's on rented space. Mm-hmm. It might be a 25-year or a 20- or a 15-year loan. So that's going to make a little bit higher monthly payment than if you could have amortized to 30 years. But again, it's that life expectancy of that home that has most of the time why we tailor 
those loan programs with a shorter loan term. It's more reasonable that your manufactured home, um, if we loan you the money for 20 years versus 30, that 20 to 30 years difference makes a really big difference on your manufactured home, whereas not so much of a difference on a stick-built home. And financially speaking, the amortization table is not in your favor if you're looking for a lower payment because no. you must be paying this off now in 60, you know, 33% less of the time. Yeah. Save a lot of interest. However, that shorter amortization period usually hikes up the payment quite a bit. Then additionally, space rent in Slow County this is absurd. Go drive through some of those little parks where you just need to rent them. Um, I'd, I'd venture to say that $625 a month is probably on the affordable side. And I see them as high as $800 a month. I just got one. This is the interjection. $1,000 a month. Space rent? Space rent. Contract. We, we canceled escrow on day three. Contract stated in writing that it would go up $100 a, a month every year for the next five years. So it would jump up. Wow. So that investor that owns the park is literally looking to squeeze. Well, Dattery's also trying to get you out. Correct. Because he's probably selling the land for development. Maybe so. And, or maybe. Now, uh, Jess asked a particular question about can you be forced out? Okay. Here's the deal. And, and if, if any of these folks are listening, they, they would call and back me up on this. Manufactured home occupants mobile home park occupants are pretty much a protected class of people. So it's very difficult within the confines of the law to squeeze them out um, to be able to sell the the parcel for development. So um, it's almost impossible. What usually happens is they'll, it'll be financially lucrative for someone to agree, right? So you say, hey, what we really want to do is get this park emptied by 2025. So we give you a good heads up on where to go and when then we'll pay you to go. So to my knowledge, those are about the only ways they get chased out. It's a spread um, of land. It's a good spread of land. So when you line out what it is to buy a $400,000 house versus to buy a $200,000 manufactured home, and rent, space rent, it's usually cheaper to buy the house. So, and then it's an appreciating thing and you, you know, own your land, things like this. It's a, the house is a better way to go. Um, that being said, one of Jess's questions was if you own the land like Chumash Village, and you know where Chumash Village is, right? I mean, for the, for the benefit of those listening um, that don't know, Chumash is on... South Higuera, kind of by the graveyard over there, right? There's a um, that flat ground at the base of the hill. So it'd be on, I, I don't know, I guess we'd call it the south side of South Higuera or the, the yeah. east side. Yeah, it's right. It's really a neat little neighborhood. If you ever drive in there, you'd be kind of surprised how expansive it is. It's between Prado Road and um, South and Elks. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said. Right. So anyhow... Neat little area, poses some interesting, um, it, it gains a lot of interest because it's one of the parks in town, one of the few parks in town where you actually do own the parcel of land that your home sits on. 
So just like a stick-built home, your land is deeded to you and you own it. That's obviously your rights are much more protected. If that mobile home park is essentially a protected class, when you own your land deeded, you're in. Um, It's very strong. And from that standpoint, would defend your investment very well. Um, So that being said, it's a great, um, that's a great, Pro, you know, in the pros column of the pros and cons list is that you would own your land. There's a scarcity to that. And so that park now, consequently, that they're valuable in there because that you get to own the land. Um, so I think that answers the first question. The second question then is about the actual financing. So in general, if you're talking manufactured home financing in a park with space rent, that manufactured home is is deemed personal property. Um, the legal definition, um, the term for it is chattel. Um, but in real estate, real property, according to the law, is um, real property is attached to the ground and it's permanently attached to the ground and it's and it's legally recognized as such. So, like your home is real property. If you have a manufactured home in a park on leased land, that's not real property. That's personal property. So there's a huge difference in the two types of loans that are done, whether it's real property or chattel. And in that park, since you do own the land, you would be looking at real property, um, provided now that it's permanently attached to the ground. So you see the layers are kind of building here, right? Mm -hmm. Because isn't it possible that somebody has owns the land in there, but that they have a manufactured home that's on jacks and not permanently attached with a foundation? Of course it is. So in that situation, the dirt itself is real property and you would borrow on it as real property, but the personal property, the, the, manufactured homes sitting on the land that's not attached by way of permanent foundation would then be viewed as chattel. So you could finance one or the other, but you're not going to be able to finance them together, you know, with the value of both in one loan. So it's not until it's permanently attached, use a form called the 433A, um, which is a certification by a certified uh, inspector that is actually permanently attached. That's recorded to the property And in many cases, it transfers the mobile or manufactured home from the DMV system over into the real property system. Gets on the tax roll for the county assessor as opposed to paying registration every year. That's right. Yep. So, like you would a car. So, there you go. That's a little bit of a flyby on how these things work. Now, um, the financing options, so let's go back to to Chumash Village and say, okay, we're dealing with real property. We're going to take the leap here to say that we're dealing with a home that's permanently attached with a, with a foundation and there's a recorded 433A. We're good, right? Um, yeah. Your finance, the financing options on that are actually pretty good. Uh, you could do a VA loan in there. Mm-hmm. You could do an FHA loan. You could do a conventional loan. You can get those 30-year loan terms if the everything else about it 
meets eligibility. I got a call just about two weeks ago for a home that's for sale in the Chumash Village right now um, for a gal that wanted to do a VA loan on it. And the bummer is that there's a date for manufactured homes that's it's 1976 or newer. So you sort of get into like a fall off if the home is older than 1976. There's not a lot of those around because it wouldn't need to be really well maintained to last that long. But Mm -hmm. if you're older than 1976 on the age of home built, you're almost out on all fronts. And so this one wouldn't work out for that reason. But yeah, all of those loans are available for you. Uh, Makes it a, uh, you know a pretty good spot to go. That one is actually relatively affordable from that standpoint. You own the land, well protected. If it's newer than 1976 and it's permanently attached, it's real property, which allows you then to do these different loan programs. Um, and you could even do it as a second home. That's possible. Yeah. If it's a personal property mobile home you can't do a second home loan on something like that so um anyhow that's a kind of a neat little flyby of the manufactured mobile home world here's what's frustrating about it and i know that mike you you see this all the time um somebody comes in to get pre-approved you run through the whole thing usually the car payment's too high they still got some student loans but you run through it all. Like, okay, you're pre-approved for three hundred thousand. You know, get out there and find something. Right. So invariably, right. they're going to come back saying, I "Found this manufactured home." Yep. On a foundation in a park. Yep. And so, where do you go from there? I mean, it's affordable housing. This is what they can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, don't you feel right out of the gate? I mean, you do this for a living, so you you understand this as well as anybody. Um, those are those loans. Like I said, when I first started this conversation, I kind of made that face. Oh, gosh. That's what we're going to talk about now is a, is a manufactured home loan. They're tough. There's a lot of requirements. The standards are strict. The debt-to-income ratio requirements are are uh, more strict. The credit requirements are more strict. Um, it's it's a loan where there's heavy scrutiny of everything the whole way through. Um, like I said, at the core, it's because those are tricky loans on what oftentimes is a depreciating asset for a borrower that's marginally qualified, um, and that property type as a whole has a significantly higher delinquency rate than any other loan type. Yeah. So, so many banks don't even do them at all. Won't get in the weeds on it. And Not going to offer it. It's an ineligible property type for us, and right. we just won't do it. If they do offer it, that interest rate is going to look a lot different than the one we talked about in the first meeting when right. I pre-approved you for 300000 totally. Yeah, right? All of a sudden, you're looking at an interest rate that might be you know between 7 and 8 9%. And probably a loan amortization term that's less than 30 years. Mm-hmm. So you start lining all this stuff out and you quickly are like, oh, I see. And, you know, on an FHA loan, if you bought a home in town, um, it's not uncommon to have a debt to income ratio about 50%. That means about 50% of your gross income can be allocated towards 
the house payment, you know, taxes and insurance, and then the items from your credit report. Bank liabilities, yeah. On these mobile home loans, manufactured home loans, sometimes they want it as low as 30%. So, yeah. so that shorter amortization, that higher rate, that high space rent, and a really conservative debt-to-income ratio of 31% can make it the unicorn. <laughs> well, what happens, what really does happen, Jason, is that you say, look, you can now only qualify for $195,000 purchase price in this loan program, and the house is listed for two thirty. There you go. And you're the bad guy. But if you explain it in the way that you did in the initial meeting, which you've trained me to do, they get it. I mean, here's the thing. Here's what it all boils down to. You're trying to move into a property that you own so that you don't have to be a renter anymore, right? Yeah. Why would you... I understand why you would consider a mobile home, but why wouldn't you look at something that is more long-term, that has a higher marketability, just like the bank's looking at this collateral, you should be looking at it. Well, and I don't mean to discourage people from it. Like, as we're talking about this, I understand it probably comes off to some people as like, you know, you clearly have a negative opinion about that. And so I want to go on record here saying I don't, okay? Um, Here's what I do want you to, to take away from this is, you gotta you gotta take it into consideration. Gotta look at the big picture. Is it the right investment? Is it an appreciating asset? Mm-hmm. Is the amortization term good? Is the interest rate good? Um, and what you're alluding to is really staring down at this is on a month to month debt service. You know what that actual payment's going to be for that versus the stick built home. Does it save you enough money? Does it is it the only thing in town that you can buy? Does it save you enough money to live in the manufactured home to warrant enduring all of that? You know, um, or is it is it simply that you are kind of hoodwinked into believing it's all you can afford? And then you're making a decision based on that as opposed to actually understanding the true cost of it. Um, and I would venture to say that a lot of these conversations end up this way. It's like, okay, well, let's look. You know, Sometimes we're looking at a $240,000 manufactured home in a park on own land or not um, versus a $300,000 condo, okay? Kind of in the wheelhouse. Those are... Those are going to be similar in some of these bedroom communities around town. Um, so what's better? Well, I'll tell you, um, I don't know, but I know how to how we can work towards that answer. So let's understand the cost, the down payment requirements, the monthly payment when you're all in, you know. On the condo, you got to take into consideration the HOA fee, and there's some walls in insurance that you're going to have for your belonging inside. Um, on the manufactured home, you know, you may not have to have property taxes. Um, you'll have some insurance costs, but, um, you know, space rent, amortization on a 20 year loan at seven and a half percent. We just got to crunch these out, build a spreadsheet that outlays what both of these are. And, you know, it should be something where at the end of it, the math is, Something, you know, it's an investment of that size. You're basing, 
you're putting a lot of weight on what the math says. This is a prudent decision for me financially. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think that a lot of people don't spend that time. So um, they're not getting good counsel. They don't have somebody really helping them understand it. And so they end up sort of just going through the wash cycle of not knowing what's what. Everything's a blur. I don't know what's up. I assume they're cheaper. The sales price is a lot less. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe just get pigeonholed on going after that instead of sitting down with somebody that um, will, I'll, I'll just help you build the scenarios and the pros and cons list. And, and really, um, you know, I started out to say that that's the goal of the company is um, we just want to inform you of your options, your costs, you know, your downside, your opportunities, Make sure that you understand it. Ultimately, going to facilitate you making the decision on your own. Yep. Um, but oftentimes, you know, you call one of these online lenders. They just want to take the loan out. We can do that, or we can't. It's leading to a paycheck, or it's not. Yep. It's black, or it's white. And real estate and home loans—that's not the case. It's not always black or white. Um, at least, not without doing some analysis. And right. Um, and I think that's one of the places that we excel is trying to help smooth those those wrinkles out for people that um, you know have the questions like Jesse and or Jess. It was a Jess or Jesse. I think it was Jess. 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 So anyhow, Jess probably still listening, and through all this has got some information to to kind of hang to. If you want to talk to one of us this week, call us at five four three loan. Uh, we can walk you through the ins and outs of it and, and what it might look like for you as a second home in that park. So uh, anyway, guys, we got to do the top of the hour commercial break. We'll be out for five minutes and we'll be back with a whole nother hour of Mortgage Matters. We hope you stick around. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now back to the show. songs up with the lyrics on it too I know. I know. that's pretty cool you need subtitles karaoke. for some of these yeah right you know, this artist? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, i love this i love it <laughs> 
All right. So as it, as it goes, uh, you're listening to Mortgage Matters. So this is a live show. It's interactive. So if you would like to. And we get a bit crazy on the show, too. So it's kind of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a <laughs> wild side, a country mile wide. There it is. Um, no, don't laugh at me. If you want to, if you'd like to call in and be part yeah, of so this. Yeah, so I was going to say, thank you, Mike. Tell them how to do the it. The tape, the tape. Went off the train rail thing. <laughs> we can be reached by, at one of two numbers, 805-543-8830. Or if you're outside of the area, outside of the state even listening to us, we're at 800-549-5832. <sighs> if you're in Britain, it's probably nighttime, so you shouldn't be listening to this. They could be listening on However, the podcast. However, they could be on the podcast or on the, oh. on the internet. If you're on the podcast listening to this, don't call in because that show's already been recorded. What else do we have to do? <laughs> well, no, no, on the web? It's on the web right now, It's too. on the web. There yeah, that's just live streaming. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, this is a live show. I'm not We do. Uh... <laughs> now they're going to have to put in a country code yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. All the show. But... You should have a Twitter feed. You should know. Yes, we should. I think Central Coast Lending does have Twitter, just nobody. Uh, Mike, do you want to be in charge of the Twitter account? I'll get back to you. Do you like to tweet? <laughs> I will. I will consider it. Um. Anyway, I was just going to say, every week at the conclusion of the show, Jim makes it into a an audio file. It's a huge file, as you can imagine. Two hours of blah 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 blah. Sends it to me. We give it to Rachel. She uploads it into the cloud. And you can listen to it whenever, wherever. and You can access um, that. Yeah. And we know that a lot of people do because we can see the, uh, you know, the the listens to on those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then additionally, if we ever don't get it up or whatever, you know, like if for whatever, you're always perfect about sending it to us. That's but, right, yeah. And, and by and large, we get it, we get it on Saturday from Jim right away. I send it to Rachel right away, and then she'll get it uploaded. But as you know, sometimes things happen, yeah. and and so then we hear from people. I start getting these emails. Hey, where's Saturday's episode? I'm looking forward. Can't find it. Wow. Like, wow. Check that out. That's mm-hmm. good. It's people using it pretty regularly. You get the grocery store stops, huh? Two times this week, <laughs> for real. Um, once was at Costco, and the other was at the dentist. Um, you should so be talking I to guess, Dennis, right? I guess both situations, though, it wasn't like just total voice recognition. Like, that happens, too. But the both of them saw my name and then said, oh, you're the Mortgage Matters guy. And I was like, that's embarrassing. I yeah. sort of... How's that, how's that embarrassing? I don't know. I just sort of like that there's... Uh, He's not in it for the fame, Jim. No. Yeah. And I'll sign my autograph on that bottom of that loan. Yeah, I'll I'll, (laughs) bomb that application. I'll sign right there on page four for you. You can hang on to that forever. (laughs) And you probably should. (laughs) (laughs) For at least three years. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but anyways, that's funny. And then, um, so yeah, we we just, we had a, I was talking to the the gal at the dentist, which is like the, uh, my dentist merged with another dentist. So I've been going to the same guy forever and a day. And and I'm still seeing him, but there's a new receptionist now. 
And so she saw my name. She's like, oh, you're not the guy from the radio show. And I said, like, I am. And she said, oh, my gosh, I listen all the time. I love your show. It's my favorite show on KVC. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't I wouldn't have guessed, you know. You just never know who listens. You never know, too, who likes um, this kind of stuff that oh, wants yeah. we had... to talk economics and real estate and things like that. Not everybody is into that. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. We had a guest on the show early this year, Matt Holland, Hollander, who's a certified Medicare planner, and he had a whole show. He had, excuse me, he had a whole, he had to book a whole second seminar for just our listeners about 30 listeners that called in and said they wanted to sit through that retirement planning show. And he, oh, called, cool. he called me up. He said, you better come to this one because these are all your listeners. And sure enough, that was a cool experience. I'm not on the show as frequently as you. I know you'd like me to be on the show as frequently <laughs> as you. But um, when, we left, when we left our listeners before the commercial break, we were talking about manufactured home and parks and more affordable housing and how that all works. I think it's a prudent time to really bring up the affordable housing first-time homebuyer plans that we have, whether they're prudent or not. They, this would be a natural addition to the conversation we'd have with someone wanting to buy a manufactured home. Yeah, it's nice. Um, if they were sitting down with us face-to-face. Well, and so here's the deal. Uh, here in beautiful California, it's expensive, mm-hmm. right? I mean, everybody, it doesn't... Even if you feel like you can afford your place okay, people are generally like cognizant of and, and dissatisfied by the by the prices. It's expensive. Um and you know, I mean I I know I think about it in terms of um I, I've got teenage kids mm-hmm. and I don't want them to have to leave. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. But you need to be able to buy a house in the place where you like plant roots and build a life. It's not, um, you know, and I understand you make your case for or against the the value of home ownership. I understand that. Oh, you're responsible if the garbage disposal breaks, yada, yada, all those things. I get it. Um, one of the things I always look at, like you just mentioned retirement planning, Um What's the biggest bill in your life? My mortgage. Most people. Until it's not. You mm-hmm. want to know how it's not? Many, many years of throwing money at that thing every month until it's licked. Or it's, you know, low enough with a refi all of a sudden, you know, maybe your maybe your health insurance is finally more than your mortgage. I hate that. Health insurance really bugs me lately, but because um, that's trying to make a run for uh your biggest, biggest bill. bill yeah um but in any case that's a key to retiring is being able to pay your home off you know get it down to where the your ongoing expenses your taxes your insurance and your maintenance that's really nice that's always less than rent um so it's got to be uh at least to some degree it's got to be everybody's goal you got to want to um Figure out how to not have that $2,500 a month payment. Get that to line up with when you're going to retire. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to retire when you're 65, I'm going to say you should really own a house by the time you're 35 and get going on it. It's maybe not going to be that house, but if you always 
move you know, move the eggs from one basket to another, get to that point where your goal is have your house paid off by the time you're 65, you're eligible for your pension or your social security, whatever you got working, those things coming together, that's a pretty good goal. Um, And so, you know, here's the deal. Like we said a minute ago, it's expensive here. We know that. Everybody knows that. It's crazy expensive. Um, KSBY is doing a special right now on the mass exodus of the middle class trying to bug out a slow county and you know, these people want to leave California because it's just so expensive, and um, and I get it. But what's hard um, when you're paying high rents and your cost of living is high, it's hard to have a down payment. Yeah. So when we talk about affordable housing, we're talking about those people that are like, okay, well, I'm looking at manufactured homes, I'm looking at condos, um, you know, and maybe there's some hope that you're going to make some more money next year and the year after, you know, no matter where you work is Generally, there's a raise on the horizon at some point, so those first couple years might be tough, but then you'll kind of grow into it and get raises and adapt life and be good, Um, but that big barrier entry is usually down payment. Right. Access to cash is low. Yeah. Even if if you're in your second or third year of being an attorney and you're finally getting a good paycheck, you've had to adjust for taxes that you have to pay, and what are your student loans that you're repaying, Right. So you just don't have enough saved up, and these these down payment assistant programs can certainly help. Um, yeah, you're hearing a lot about them. It's sort of the the ad du jour right now on the radio and the TV. Um, you know, Guild is running a pretty effective marketing campaign right now about the. Um, they do a good job of making it sound like they created their own. You know, well, Guild Mortgage is proud to offer. You know, our down payment assistance program where you could buy a home with one or two or 3% down. Um, that's not a guild mortgage thing. Yeah, they can do it. We can all do it. And, um, you know, and I, I would even suggest that not all lenders are equal, even though they're offering the same products. Um, so, uh, I did, I thought that'd be a great thing for us to talk about. It fits nicely with this topic. And I don't doubt that there are people that are listening you're thinking about that coworker. You're thinking about your adult children. You're thinking about your grandchildren. Um, you know, you're thinking about your soon-to-be ex-wife, <laughs> <laughs> or you're not. Um, well, I think what's important to just set the table here for this conversation is that there is always going to be these first-time homebuyer loans have to have traditional mortgages. The first loan is easy, easily an FHA loan to talk about. A lot of people know about that loan. It's three and a half percent down loan where the federal government, the federal housing authority backs you. Um, but there's mortgage insurance potentially for the life of the loan. If you put down the minimum down minimum down, if you put down 5%, it's 11 years mortgage insurance. That's FHA. That's the first of the two mortgage options you have for down payment assistance loans. Okay. The second one is called a home ready loan or it's a it's a 97% LTV conventional loan. Home ready is for Fannie Mae, Home Possible is for Freddie Mac, and these are loans that I think are really great. I look at them all the time. They are this loan, the um home ready or home possible loan does have income caps based on the zone your subject property is in. So to understand all this, the the first loan is the big loan. It's the first you to trust that we offer you through Central Coast Lending. That is a 30-year fixed loan that's 
that that's the one you you pay every month. You'll have a mortgage payment for. We we stack it up right nicely with your county property tax, your insurance, and potentially most likely your mortgage insurance, unless you decide to pay it all off in full at closing. These other loans, these down payment assistance loans, become second liens and or third liens on your property. What that means is that you're going to have, you're going to go in with sometimes as low as half a percent down. Right. We can get it as low as half of a percent down on the total purchase price of the house, but you're going to have, you know, you're only going to own that half a percent. Reasons these loans make a ton of sense are because they conveniently, and I'll get into the good, bad, and the ugly, but let's talk about the good. Conveniently, these liens just attach themselves to your title and they weaken your equity position, but they don't have repayments. Yeah, there's not a debt service to it while you're, you're just, you're paying your first, you're not having to deal with whatever that lien is. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. The zip closing cost assistance is one of these first down payment associate um down payment assistance loans. It's to go towards closing costs and prepaid items and prepaid items are property taxes you've put in your impound account, insurance you put in your impound account, these things that you set up for yourself. Um that loan itself can be as much as 4% assistance for what the purchase price is. There's zero interest on this loan and the deferred payment. Really, if you see the words deferred payment, there's never going to be a payment. That loan itself, depending on how much you get at the close of escrow, whether it's 1%, 2, 3, or 4 in assistance, will just stay on your home until you go to refinance or pay it off, Jay. Is there ever a period where you don't owe that money? It never forgives. It It only is forgiven when the refinance occurs. So you'd have to be. So it's essentially a silent second where the one event or the other is going to trigger it needing to be paid off is selling the home. It's going to come out of the proceeds Mm -hmm. or if you refinance. Now, can you refinance and keep it in a second position or when you refinance, do you have to pay it off? Great question. It must be paid off at the point in which a payoff is requested on the first deed of trust. So they will not resubordinate. So that's not necessarily a bad deal. No. Um, It's just you got to know that you're starting out with having this other loan on there. Um, What's the, forgive me if you're repeating yourself now, but I just want to make sure that we're all tracking together on that zip loan. There's no debt service on it. Um, Does the principal ever go up? Is there any costs that are added to it? Deferred interest or otherwise, is it growing? Great question. Not on the zip closing assistance plan. So the answer is no, it's not growing. It just sits there. The percentage, the dollar amount is disclosed to you. You know, you get that before you close escrow. Jason or myself would walk you through that. It's disclosed by the bank and it sits there right as a second lien. Okay. Almost like a bill or a, or a mechanics lien would be that you had against your title. So that's nice. Why wouldn't I do that? It's less money out of pocket for me to buy the house, and you're basically some somebody somewhere, wherever this money comes from, dollars from heaven, is making a, a, a zero-interest loan to me that's going to sit on title, and I don't have to pay for it until I sell my house. So 
Why not? So many times on this show, we talk about what the banks think about collateral and how they view risks of our borrower's situation. This, sure. This is not a loan that grows, but it is a loan against your equity. So now the collateral could be as much as 100% loan to value. It yep. could be higher, right? If you only put down, if you take on a 97% loan to value loan and you borrow 3% for closing costs, your loan on the property is as much as the property's worth. Correct. Because of that, you're going to see an interest rate during your term of owning this loan at least half a point higher than what you're seeing in the market. Yeah. So now, so now we're talking about the ongoing recurring walk. Right. The and that's mailbox. what I was going to say. It becomes a pay me now or pay me later, right? You're financing it. Yeah. Through it, the first mortgage. Through the first mortgage. And if that costs you an extra 50 bucks a month, right? Well, here's the real, here's the real kicker that I don't think is explained well, and it needs to be, is that at the close of escrow, the bank is traditionally banks will pay us central coast lending a commission for bringing a borrower to them and closing the loan in this program. The banks want the borrowers to pay the closing cost of our commission, Hmm. which is typically around 1.75 to 2.25% depending on the type of loan we're doing. And that is a closing cost that can be borrowed, but has to be added to the loan and has to be added to your potential. Now, what could be so negative equity. So you could equity. be starting out with negative equity. Interesting. Not terrible, but Jason, you do this very well. And I think m- many loan officers, especially the online loan officers don't, you've got to ask yourself, how long are you going to stay in this house, Right. The, yeah. w- the way to take advantage, the way to create arbitrage here and you know, really capitalize on these programs is to say, I'm going to stay in this house for five to seven years. You need to get enough equity back from those payments that when you go to sell, you can pay the agent's commission, the closing cost to close, and maybe get a little bit of scratch out of the end of the deal to move into your next house. You hope so, if the market... Um, allows. Yeah, and while it is nice and appreciating and and cooperates with your game plan that's what we all hope for right so um, much of my empathy goes out during these meetings where i explain down payment assistance programs because it's again you mentioned the middle class they're just like here we go again how do we win yeah we can't win well and so here's the deal and this is where these conversations often end up is i'll talk to my borrower about the ins and outs of, you know, these affordable programs. Cause there's a couple of other to round out the conversation. Correct. We're going to add um, If you're a veteran and you're ever talking to somebody about a home loan, lead with that. It's a powerful program. Please. Uh, we'd love to know it right away. Uh, it, it really steers the conversation rapidly um, on that topic. If you've got, uh, VA, 100% financing. Let's talk about so let's work on that. Let's go right down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. If you are having an asset problem, like you said, I love that. I love that analogy of that lawyer. I know it's a little bit of a reach because not everyone's a lawyer, but lawyers, guys, they usually have moderate credit uh, because they're stacked with debt. And though they are starting to make some money, they're catching up. And like you said, they're they're now having to figure out how to pay a lot of taxes. This takes them a few years to to actually get 
you know, to get their their feet under them, mm-hmm. so they can afford a monthly payment. They haven't yet put away forty thousand bucks, sixty thousand bucks, yeah. eighty thousand bucks for down payment. Let and me so, sprinkle in some reality too, right? You worked hard in school. You you're wearing a suit every day. Maybe you move into a house that's a little bit higher in rent now too. That's cutting back at your ability to save a down payment. Absolutely, especially if it's here in town, trying to be close to the courthouse. I mean, it, rent's <laughs> expensive. So right. So these oftentimes, and this is, you know, there's always some opportunity cost here, but one of the things I end up saying to people is like, look, um, we don't expect that this market's going to appreciate forever. We know it can't. You shouldn't plan on the fact that it does. But if it does, the year or two or three that it's going to take you to save 5% down or 10% down. You know, I don't want to have, my dad told me never get mortgage insurance. I want to do, rah, 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 rah. I get it. <laughs> rah, okay. 500,000 bucks slows appreciating right now at 7% a year. Mm-hmm. It's 35 grand. So how are you, so you're going to save the 35 grand you just beat yourself by in the market mm-hmm. and you're going to save that money that gets you on the trajectory you need to have your 10% down. Um, by the way, hate hate to break it to you, you're still going to have to have mortgage insurance at 10% down. So, it, it, yes, it's going to be less. However, um, the payment's probably going to come out the same because the freaking houses are going up in price every month. So and the rate. you're running a hamster wheel. Yep. So oftentimes I tell people, if you have a five- or seven-year plan or a 10-year plan or a plan that goes into the foreseeable future as long as you can see, it's important to get your foot in the door. You need to get something now. And what does that look like? Can we do VA? No, you're not a veteran. Okay. Will USDA work? This is a 100% financing program. Mm -hmm. It's tough to qualify for. There's income limitations. There's uh, geographic restrictions. Not everybody's going to fit into there. You know, that's the round peg for the round hole. Um, Then you've got, as we've kind of fall down the list a little bit, um, my personal opinion if you can avoid the down payment assistance program because you can come up with 3% on your own, um, get it from a gift. Get it from the IRA. Get it from your Roth IRA. A gift from your employer, huh? This is a good one for that meeting. Hey, Mike, you know, I love working for you. You're a great guy. I love being here in slow. It was always my dream at Cal Poly to stay. Um, as you well know, I need to own a home. And they say my employer can gift me the money. Boom. And all I need is a 3% down payment. Well, but honestly, if you if I'm your employee, I'm coming to you like that, you love me, I'm a key employee, I'm your right. mid-level manager, right. 3% on a $500,000 house, 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Is that a good retention bonus for you? If I'm a key employee and you want me, you need me? Yeah, we'll write that yeah. into the contract. Exactly. 15000 bucks is not a lot of money. You're going to spend that finding the employee training that replaces you let alone training and they don't work out well i mean yeah maybe and, they do maybe they don't anyway point being yeah employer can help right. you relatives can help you get right. some money from your roth you know whatever there's all these different things i mean we tell guys you know hey you're gonna have to sell your boat i know you love it been doing spring break at havasu but your ten thousand dollar boat's the key into a house mm-hmm. so Let's let's do that. It was all these different ways. If you can scrape it up, you're going to get a better deal. Absolutely. You're not going to have that lean. Yep. When you sell a refi, you're not that 3% behind. Um, so 
we talk about advice and then we talk about price at Central Coast Lending. I don't think there's any other way to do it. I just don't. Well, you got to have the whole conversation. You got to know what all the options are. I said this earlier in the show last hour. Uh, I'm a facilitator. I know, you know, we our tagline to the company, we're the mortgage experts. That's true. If there was mortgage jeopardy, I, I want to go. I think I'd be the kin of mortgage jeopardy. I'd love to see um, those columns, right? Yeah. CFPB. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Asset seasoning. Right. Right. Um, Non-occupant co-borrower. Right. Anyway, um, we want to kind of be your Sherpa. We know the programs. We know the offerings. We know the ins and outs. And what we need is to work with you on figuring out what the best approach is. Um, but ultimately, it's a decision that the borrowers largely make. After yeah. getting schooled up a bit, being told what to do, how to do it, what to consider, they come up with a plan, and now they're pulling the trigger with a little bit of confidence. And we're like, yeah, that's a good choice. Of everything we've learned, I, you know, I think it's a reasonable thing to do. Let's do it. What so. I agree. It's a different than just a sales, pro, you know, the sales approach. I'm just trying to cram you into doing the product, the thing I think, what we're doing. Um, you know it's what I mean? It's a dialogue. It's yeah. a dialogue, 100%. What do you say we let our listeners gas up their pens, take a small break for our sponsors, and when we come back, wrap up the show and talk more about these down payment assistant programs? Sounds good. Let's do it. We'll, Stick uh, around, people. We'll be back talking about how you get some money, and how you buy a house. Woo! Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's nothing like the euphoric feeling you get when you find the perfect home. The last thing you want is the embarrassment of discovering you don't qualify. It can actually cost you your deposit. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-39608. DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Uh, 
Sugar Magnolia, Boston's blooming. That's all empty and I don't care. So my baby down by the river. All right, Jim. Had to break out a little Grateful Dead for you there, Jason. I know it's been a while since you've been on the show on a regular basis, so, you know, there it is. This song just makes me want to drink, like, good quality beer and have flip-flops on and kick around a khaki hacky sack. Only a few people in this world can play hacky sack with flip-flops on. It's hard. Um, A good hippie would just kick the flip-flops off and play barefoot. Oh, well, sure. good hippie didn't have flip-flops on to begin with, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. I love uh, the Grateful Dead, man. I, You know, I think there's such a stigma around the dead. Uh, if they had a different name, how many more people would listen and go, dude, this is so good. I like, you know, I have to admit, I'm, I, you know, I, I tease you about the Grateful Dead, but I'm, I'm, I like them. Quality musicians, fan, no doubt. Uh, I know I say the same stuff all the time, I just got to tell you. If uh-huh. you don't like the dead, then... Um, get out. <laughs> no, just just say, just agree. Let's just agree. You just haven't been properly exposed. Hey, you know when Ben and Jerry's makes That's an all. ice cream named after one of your members? Yeah, you, you know you've hit the big time. Uh, you made I'm it. not asking. <laughs> I'm not asking it. you to you've accept mega death into your living room. No. You know that screaming guitar growling thing. Mm-hmm. But you know whether you like folk, country, gospel, blues, jazz, yeah. rock whatever that the dead covered those genres so you just haven't mm. been properly exposed no. but i love it yeah. i was actually going to ask dan and, and you know and then and then you as well uh-huh. maybe we could just make it to where the thing about mortgage matters is that we go in and out of every break with the dead hmm. and then we just don't talk about it anymore you got like just, blank stare uh, from people, Mike and I people wouldn't here. even so know like gonna ha- this has to be talked about in committee <laughs> Yeah, People wouldn't even know, though. Music committee. That's right. It would just be like, no, the music on that show is amazing. And then I get that a lot. And then people will say, oh, it's the dead. And they go, oh, that's why I don't like it. Mm. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Yeah. I think Dan and I would have to really talk about that with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know. Right. I know. <laughs> hey, this is why I, I have like a business partner. If you stuck This around. is why I have a business partner in Dan. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. I, all the the harebrained ideas that I have, <laughs> he keeps me in balance, and then likewise, you know, I I have to reel him in from time to time, and uh, we make good decisions you together. Make a good balance. Yeah. You know, really, the the great thing about what we were talking about right before the break is the down payment assistance programs gives it, it gives us so much to talk about with our borrowers, but really, it boils down to what you said, Jason, which is you know, try to find ways to escape this program because what I haven't talked about yet, there's one more program to mention. There's two, excuse me, in detail is, is really the rates. And I think I've alluded to hmm. them, but. I was starting to make the point we got a little off topic. Yeah. It is a pay me now or pay me later. And it's a pay me now and a pay me later. <laughs> All right. Explain. Because, you, because you've got to pay the lender their commission because the bank's not going to do it in this program. They're, they're saying the collateral is tarnished so much. It's so tapped out. Yeah. We can't give you. We, we're going to take all of our risk by just making sure that this borrower makes their mortgage payment. The borrower, if they want this program bad enough, they're going to have to pay you. So, you know, we as your advisors... I think the FHA one works a little bit differently, though. I'm, like, thinking specifically about that, like, Sapphire grant program. 
Yeah, that's a that's a slightly different program. It's a, it's a little bit different. So it's not blanketly the case, but point taken. Um those those programs, you know, I, I think the again, I want to steer back to the you know, the zoomed out view a little bit. Mm-hmm. We have the products. We understand how to use them. We value helping you understand which approach is best for you, right? Um, and attempting to just kind of bridge that that gap of how you help somebody get into a home. Um, the, you know, coming off of those programs, like we talked a little bit about, well, if you if you can scrape the 3% down, however, beg, borrow, and steal your way into 3% down, FHA is 3.5% down, um, and FHA is a great loan. Uh, oftentimes I, when I tell borrowers, it's like, um, so being like a, a kid that grew up in the eighties, right? I mean, I was born in the seventies, but I can't claim those as my years, but you guys were around in the eighties. Jim was like, he prime of your life in the eighties, right? Uh, yeah, I would guess so. Yes. Uh-huh. How is prices right? And I know this show's still on today. Oh yeah. But you remember the old Bob Barker game? Mm-hmm. There was a lot of games. Which one are we talking about? Plinko is what we're talking oh about. Oh, my gosh. I've the seen game. Plinko. The game. The game, right? Yeah. It didn't come on every episode. No. A Plinko episode was like, look at you. You got picked for Plinko? Yeah. Everyone. Of all the games. Uh, I saw the other day, I, I saw The Price is Right is still on. Like Drew Carey's the host now. Yeah. I saw a Plinko episode. Shut your mouth. Plinko, okay? For those of you that uh, have never had the flu and stayed home during business hours during the week, uh, Plinko is a game where... Yeah. Mike points! <laughs> You're the next concession! Yeah. Come on down! Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. sure you right? Yeah. He's from um, San Luis Obispo. Mike yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I was in the audience for really? The Prize Right a couple times. But you didn't and- get picked? I'm going to tell you a dumb story about the prices, right? Like me being dumb. Okay. I love those. All right. Well, okay. I went there with a friend of mine. All right. And we're wanting to sit together and um, everything. And so we go through the interview. You got to go did you stand like, up. Did you make a shirt that was like, it's my birthday with yeah. like a hey mom? Uh, and- yeah, you got to stand outside Studio 33. Right. Anyway, at CBS. And uh, you go through this interview process, and so my friends and my friend and I were like um, just um, waiting there, and we're doing do the interview, and so we get in, and we're like, okay, the 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 person in the that directs the audience says, I want you to sit here, and my friend, I want you to sit over here, and we're like, um, I'm not gonna, you know, we want to sit together. You know, we're like, and, we're, and my friend's like, yeah, we must sit together. And I'm like, oh, no, you so were supposed what? to sit in row they 13, seat up, 7. They were lining up camera shots for those seats. And guess who would have been picked had no. we not said, no. we don't want to sit separately. You are not in charge. Yeah. You are not in charge. Oh, so, Jim. I know. And, and that was a Plinko episode. So, Plinko. It Here was a are. Plinko They episode. give you like, it usually starts out with there's three items and you got to guess the the price yeah. of it. And if you get it right, you get a Plinko. Uh, it's like a, a little puck. 
Uh, they'll give you three or four or five things, whatever. So you're going to get three Plinko things if you go three for three. Um, so anyhow, no, answer nobody get goes up. three for three. No, nah, it's hard. So then you're going to go up a little five, six, seven steps up to the top of this 10-foot-tall Plinko board, which is not quite vertical, but close to it, and it's got it's a pegboard, right? There's nails sticking out of it. Halfway down the board, like at the top third, the middle third, and the bottom third, there's these little things that are great prizes, you know, 10 grand, 50 grand, something. Uh, but you got to hit it on the drop. Right. Um, and then down at the very bottom, that's like the new, that's a slightly different one. This one doesn't have those other cool things. But anyway, then down in the very bottom, if your thing makes it down there, you're in gravity. If you miss all the things, gravity will have you down in the bottom. You're going to end up with uh, some prize. It's not as yeah. cool as the one on the way down. Yeah. That the reason I bring this up. I mean, we got good and sidetracked on it, as you can imagine. This is kind no. of my life. Mm-hmm. FHA is the bottom of the plinko board. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. If you got bad credit, if you've got a low down payment, if you've got a high debt-to-income ratio, it's like everybody's going to qualify for FHA. It's the consolation prize at the bottom of the board. Yeah. Um, Those ones that are up higher, you know. So if you could imagine my Plinko board, I have high hope for this chip. I'm putting it in at the top. The prize I'd love it to hit, if you're a veteran, oh, VA, that's the best one. Yeah. That's a new car. USDA. That's pretty awesome if you can work that out. Um, a conventional loan, great. A conventional loan with down payment assistance, okay, good. Um, you know, FHA, okay. This kind of, we all get that. That's the default prize. That's the one down at the bottom of Plinko. If you miss it all, you're going to get FHA. And so it's not a bad loan. It's a prize. It's going to help you get into a house. Um, so that being said, FHA is 3.5% down payment. Um, if you missed what I said a minute ago, uh, FHA is okay with bad credit. FHA is very lenient on those previous blemishes and problems. FHA is good with low down payment. It's good with gifts. It's good with seller concessions. It's good with um, those accommodations that that, that borrower usually needs. Um, and yep. also... You know, it's like we on that spectrum, you know, so I'm checking you out for USDA. USDA has one ratio that's kind of gnarly. They have a, I think it's 34% front end ratio for your debt to income ratio. That's really strict. It's really strict. FHA doesn't even have a front end ratio requirement. They'll go to 50 or 55% on the back end. I've even seen it go a little bit higher than that. So point being, if you make... You know, a thousand bucks a month for sake of round numbers, USDA might limit your house payment to being three hundred and forty bucks a month, where FHA might go to five fifty. That's a big difference. It's almost double. Mm-hmm. So when we look at that, when we're pre approving people, we have to work around all of those things. And you know, it's a as you guys are probably starting to get the sense of, you know, it's kind of a little matrix. There's there's little spots where you're going to attribute that lands you in this column, but you want to be in that column. And, you know, so you kind of got to line up with your credit, with your assets, with your debt to income ratio. Which ones are you qualified for? That's what pre-approval is. So we could sit down and say, okay. It's like Plinko. 
similar. But you know what I mean is I want to get as much information from you as I can. Then I'm going to take that with my years of experience in the business with all these programs, all this knowledge swimming around in my head. I'm going to come up with your options. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to create price scenarios at different price points in each of those options. And, you know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was in the office the other day. Um, my my friend Pete, he's going to be a first-time home buyer. Um, and so a few years back, Pete's dad said, hey, um, if you buy a house, I'll, I'll I'll give you a little bit of help. And so... Pete made a little bit of a run at it, and income-wise, he just couldn't really get what he wanted, and he knew he was going to be making more money in a few years and didn't want to buy a house and not have it be the one. And, you know, so first, he's and he's a really intelligent guy, um, known him since college, good friend. I really respect him. We have a good relationship. And he just said, hey, you know what? I know my dad will help me a little bit, but I can't find what I want in my price point, and so I'm just going to go sit for a while. Understood the risks. You know, the market's going to go up. Mm -hmm. Inventory could be better or worse, whatever, but just went to sit, right? So anyways, Pete's back. His income is a lot higher. He's probably making 30 or 40% more at work now. And he said, okay, so now I know I can afford kind of what I want. Um, So I say, hey, um, is your dad still going to help you? And he said, I don't know. And I don't know, I don't know how to, you know, broach that topic or whatever. And I said, well, Pete, I can help you with that too. Here we go. Here's your options. Here's an FHA option. Here's a conventional option. Here's what a conventional option looks like. If your dad can, can help you with 5%, you know, with what you have this is what it looks like. And here's how I would approach it. Um, and I know everybody has a little bit different relationship with their dad, but one is sit or down to mom. lunch or your mom or your uncle or your grandpa, whoever, somebody in your life that can help you. I'm only saying dad because in this situation it was Pete's dad. his dad. Uh, but you you might be able to sit down with your father and say, hey, dad, can I have $60,000? Love you. And maybe your dad's like, yeah, I was waiting for you to ask. <laughs> I just wanted you to ask first. I just had a bond mature. Yeah, you know. I had a bond mature. Honey, bring in the bag of money. Um, (laughs) That's not a reality in my life. That was never happening for me. Yeah. Uh, But I knew that all along, so that's fine. You know, got to go blaze your own way. But this is what I told Pete. So how about this? You say, hey, Dad, I met with the loan guy. We did a pre-approval. I understand there's several options for me, and I'd like to go over them with you. You know, you've owned a lot of homes, and you've obviously done well for yourself. How about we look at these together and say, here's what the guy proposed, an FHA loan. I have enough money on my own to do that. The mortgage insurance is a little bit higher. There's an upfront mortgage insurance. This is what it would cost me at closing, and this is what my monthly payment is. That's right. For the same house on a conventional loan with 3% down, Here's what it would cost me at close. Here's what the monthly payment is. See, the mortgage insurance is a little bit less. The interest rate's a little bit higher. There's no upfront mortgage insurance, um, but this is what it would cost me for the same house, you know, and I have enough money to do that on my own. The third option that he laid out to me is a deal with, um, you know, 5% down. And 5% down 
Um, most commonly is like a family member or somebody helping you out, but it changes the interest rate. It lowers the mortgage insurance. This is what it would cost me at close. And this is what it costs every month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what would you do, dad? That's a nice way of saying, if you were thinking about it, this is a great time for you to, to lead with that. You know what, son? Uh, I was going to, I, I wanted to help you buy your first home anyway, and I was going to give you 10,000 bucks when you got there. So I think we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, it's a different approach than just going and saying, Hey, I want to buy a house. Can I have some money? Ah, oh, if you need money, maybe you're not ready. Right. Why didn't you save? You know, nobody right. wants to see their kid make a bad decision, but in this scenario, kind of laying it out, like, oh, I, I can do these. I get my foot in the door. Um, and, and this is what it looks like. This is what's going to cost me at close. This is what's going to cost me every month. Um, and then you're sort of laying out and yet there's one more option where, you know, it starts to slant the table back my way a little bit from, from what these minimal down deals are. And so, um, by the way, you guys listening at home, um, most transactions allow gifts and gifts can be from the hundreds of dollars to the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, and they can usually come from, you know, a spouse, a fiance, a family member, an employer. Uh, they just can't come from the realtor or the seller generally. So that being said, um, I would venture to say on purchase transactions, we see gifts in our office about 30% of the time. I'd say that's accurate, um, especially with the first-time homebuyer. In the industry. Yeah, right? Because um, sometimes just rubbing it all together, you might even actually have the money, but it's going to tap you out. Yep. So getting a gift from grandma that's the emergency for 5000 bucks yeah. allows you to put 5000 bucks in the bank, you know? And then in that conversation, we talked a little bit more. You know what else happens when you buy your first house? Um, hopefully, you're going to get your rental deposit back. So if that's yep. 1500 bucks or 3000 bucks, whatever it is, um, that's nice. So that's going to be coming back your way. Uh, if we close a home loan in April, your first mortgage payment um, is the second first of the month uh, after a, the first whole month. So if we close in April, you're going to be paying on June 1. Yep. So if you can get out of your house in April, close your new house in April, get your rental deposit back, not have to pay May, first mortgage payment due on June 1, um, that might be a couple thousand bucks extra too that you could squirrel away. Let me put the icing on the cake with the trifecta. You could get all that stuff and and conceivably you could also having the seller's rent back the house from you that they just sold you for a month because they need to transition and you're getting a payment from them too. Yeah. There's all types of ways to. So you're getting a sense now of what we do in pre-approval transition. Well, gather all the information, do an analysis of what the options are, discuss it, strategize, figure out what this whole thing looks like, and then and now you have a path. You know what you need to do. Okay, I mean, I literally have people come to do pre-approval with me that leave and say, okay, I got to sell my motorcycle. Yep. And I'll be back. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Uh, I sold some stuff when I bought my first house too. I think that's kind of a normal thing. Um, you know? So anyhow, I like helping people that want to get pre-approved. Um, I really enjoy that process and helping educate them, um, helping make sure that they understand what the moving parts are. If there's credit that needs to be fixed, 
Um, getting pre-approved will reveal some of those things and give you some time to be able to fix them. Oh, I almost forgot about that. As I, Right as it's coming out of my mouth right now, I just remembered that was one of the things with my buddy Pete. A few years back, um, he had a credit score that was in the 600s because he had a couple stupid little dings on his credit that were like... He didn't pay the last Alhambra bill or something. Yeah, not not like character uh, flaw type of credit dings, but a couple of just stupid errors, you know? One of which I don't I recall was not even his fault. It was like a accounting error. Sometimes it's identity um, theft. Anyway... Because of that, with that low down payment, those kind of things, that was one of the reasons, too, he decided to wait and fix his credit. So we had a plan. We talked about the credit. Uh, we got him a plan. Uh, when I ran his credit the other day for the pre-approval, his credit score was 783. So when you look at those... Dynamite. Yeah, which is above and beyond top tier. It doesn't get any better than that in in, in terms of what that's going to get you on your home loan and your mortgage insurance. So, right. so that's awesome. Um, there's a lot of people that know they need to own a house in six months or a year or three years, or they hope to, um, but they don't. They know it's not today, so they don't do anything. So I'm just telling people um, do something. <coughs> Do something. Do something. Come in, get yeah. pre-qualified. Because he, look at here. Here's the bottom line. If it doesn't work out, you will have gained some education. Yep. That'll go with you into the next finance room at the car lot. It will go with you into your part of the middle class exodus that lands in Michigan and tries to buy a row house in Michigan. Hey, you're going to have a little bit of experience in your belt. You've had these conversations before you understand some of the basic nomenclature that we work with that all of that, that's all good. So I'm word word points for nomenclature. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm asking people to recognize the benefits and that opportunity and to take advantage of it. Um, it's not going to you're not going to find yourself wishing you hadn't done it even if it doesn't lead to a transaction right away um you know but for all you know you qualify for one of these programs or with some coaching about even how you might approach that rich uncle in your life um there's ways that this thing may come to fruition so i i love to say you know stop disqualifying yourself from the couch um I yeah. don't know what I don't know what you do for a living, but chances are it's not home loans. Um, and when I come to you for architecture plans or you know legal assistance or to draft a will or whatever, I'm not going to pretend like I know what you know. I'm I'm not going to pretend how to do your job from my couch. So um, let's all agree that. Going and just getting the counsel of an expert is crazy valuable, and it's right. it's a right time to do it. Especially when you're looking at down payment assistant programs, people. There are so many nooks and crannies. Let us lay it out for you, and then you decide. Yeah. That's what we do. Um, guys, we're running out of time here. Mike, thanks so much for giving Dan the day off today. Dan um, got to be at home with his wife and kids on uh, her birthday. So, um, My pleasure. Yeah, so he's getting to do a little birthday celebration, get a much-needed day off. As you well know, I had too many days off, so um, appreciate you coming in. 
If you guys want help or want to get pre-approved, call us at 543-LOAN, 543-5626, or find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. Thanks much for being here today. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters.